0: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. So first, I want to start out the episode with an offer to podcast listeners. I haven't done an offer in a really long time and several people have asked lately. So I've set up a promotion for podcast listeners for 20% off for the lifetime of the membership at yourvillageonline.com. When you check out, enter code YV for your village, YV20 at the bottom of the checkout page. It's good until September 7th, so just a few short weeks. So if you've been thinking about joining and we're waiting for a code, you can use YV20 until September 7th. Also, our three-part co-parenting divorce series is almost ready. Part one is complete and it's actually up right now. Part two is currently being edited and will be up next week. And I'm finishing up writing part three, so that will be out in a couple weeks. Part one is about the pre-divorce stage, working through the hard emotions, gaining support, and gearing up for the steps ahead. It's even helpful If for those who are struggling with the decision to keep working on their marriage or not. I don't normally mention books in my classes because I know how busy parents are. That's why I created videos and even audio files for the classes and for the podcast so that parents can listen and watch as a much faster and easier format to digest. However, When it comes to this separation and divorce process, it's just really, really important to do this real deep work for yourself and your kids. So if you're struggling in your marriage or you've decided it's time to accept the inevitable, if that's your case, it's a lot of self-discovery and analysis. At least it was for me, and it still is. It's still a journey for me. And I wouldn't wish this process on anyone, just like I wouldn't wish cancer on anyone. But it is an opportunity for huge growth and when you come out the other side, it can and hopefully will be a very healing and freeing experience, especially when you do that work. So in the part one class, I also recommend several books. I read all of them. Not all of them will resonate with everyone. I cover building a support network, whether you decide to stay and work on it or know you'll be going through the process, it's really, really good to have that support network built up and ready for you at each step of the way. I also cover the vast majority of common emotions we all face through this process, and some ways to move through them and past them. And then the series as a whole is about keeping the entire process as child-centered as possible. So part one becomes a really important foundation for moving forward with the most child-centered divorce as possible. Part two talks about the divorce process, all the decisions you'll want to make, how to work together, if that's possible with your spouse, if you guys still have some type of connection, friendship, or just even general care or concern for each other, as much as you can do that, which is what part one is about, keeping that as strong as you can. Part two, then working through those steps. Part three is then once you work to moving out and setting up those separate homes, so I will be putting out a special edition podcast about my separation experience and giving some guidance and tips from the part one class as well, so that will likely come out next week. If you're interested in checking out the sample for part one or part three, I do have the page up. It's a work in progress because part two sample actually isn't ready yet, so part one is listed in part one and part two, but you can watch part one sample part three samples, so you can get an idea of what those two classes are about. And you can find that, I don't have it linked into the homepage yet, just because all three parts aren't quite ready yet, but if you're curious to get a preview of those, and again, the part one class is completely available at this point, so if you are interested in getting started on it, that one is already out there. You can find those samples on a very special landing page that, again, isn't linked into the website anywhere else yet because part two isn't available. That is yourvillageonline.com slash co-parenting-classes, so slash co-parenting-classes, yourvillageonline.com slash co-parenting-classes to go check those out if this is something that you see potentially or definitely in your near future. Okay, so, but for now, let's get to today's questions. The first is about some big attitude from a four-year-old, and then I've actually gotten three questions in the past four days about parents really struggling with toddler behavior, but because it's exacerbated by the current stay-at-home orders that most of us are under. This has been going on way longer than I think any of us ever expected. I know I'm pretty over it right now. I've been over it for a while. It has been very challenging for me as this time has continued on. So I wanna revisit this and just answer these three questions all wrapped up in one big answer. I also think it will help other parents who may be struggling with this as well. I'm sure most of us, if not all of us, right, are struggling to some degree with this. Except for those of you in New Zealand where I think things are pretty back to normal, I hope. I know your cases are pretty much down to zero. I think you had a couple spurred up. Hopefully you've gotten that welled back down and that life is pretty much back to normal there for all of you. First question is from Alexandra. She wrote, hey, Erin, I'm a stay-at-home mom of two little girls ages four and the other 19 months. My husband also works from home the majority of the time, so we get to spend a lot of time with our girls. They are our whole world and bring us so much joy. Try our very best to use peaceful parenting methods, although I have to admit we're not always perfect. You know what, Alexandra, none of us are perfect, (laughs) But we rarely yell, offer choices, do time-ins frequently to help correct behavior. We do use one, two, three magic on occasion and follow through with consequences when necessary. Overall, we have a peaceful, happy home and I truly believe our girls feel happy and loved every day, even if it wasn't a perfect one. Again, it's never gonna be a perfect one, so it sounds like you're doing absolutely amazing. So I'm writing to you seeking advice from my very spirited four-year-old. She is very sweet, smart, lively, child who loves to help and gives the best hugs. She's silly, witty, and full of love. However, I worry about a recurring behavior that seems to me as a want to control those around her. We have daily issues of her demanding things of her sister, her dad, and me. And it seems her only goal is just to get us to do something. For example, she has been potty trained for about two years and can do all the steps independently, although we do always help with the poop which you know what we generally do have to do and up until about age six, sometimes even a little past that because they're just not real good about reaching behind there. bodies just aren't really adept. They don't have the fine motor skill to really wipe well. So that's totally understandable. Okay, back to Alexandra, what she was saying, we encourage independence, but there are times when we do still assist her if she asks and we're able. About 50% of the time we are not helping her, it turns into a meltdown. She will demand that we do something for her hold her shirt up, move the stool, turn the light on, etc. But it's always something she has done a hundred times on her own before. For example, she will say, I am NOT going to wash my hands, you do it. Or she will insist that she doesn't know how to turn the light on or pull her own pants down and scream at us if we ask her to do it. Every step is another problem. Having our full attention is very important to her, and she has very little desire to do anything independently, although she is more than capable. When these issues come up is how the conversation typically goes. Four-year-old, I can't turn the light on. You do it. Parent, I will gladly help you if you ask me in a kind way. Four-year-old, no, you do it now, usually with a foot stomp for emphasis. Parent, I am waiting for you to ask me kindly, and then I will help you. Four-year-old, screams and continues to argue we usually ignore the best we can and then it goes back to her saying I will not do it you do it for me and then we start it over again we go through this three to four times usually lasting 15 to 20 minutes until she says fine and either does it herself or asks us slightly nicer once the situation is over she frequently will run to whichever parent wasn't in the room crying telling us that mom dad was not talking nice to her We always give her a hug and tell her we're sorry she felt we weren't being nice, and then try to explain that saying something she doesn't like isn't the same as being mean. It's getting old. We do this exact exchange daily when she is calm. We explain to her that we choose not to help when she demands things and yells at us. But if she would like help, we would help if she can talk respectfully. Sometimes she's receptive to this, other times she tells us she doesn't want to talk anymore, or she'll say, okay, I get it, and refuse to engage. This can happen over anything, such as picking up a toy she dropped, getting her water bottle from the other room, taking her socks off for her bath. We don't wanna give in to her every command when she speaks to us in that way. But at the same time, the fit that follows is not always worth it. It seems any request we make is met with resistance, often with her telling us that she hates it when we ask her to do things. So this is great, great, great detail. I think we can all relate to a child who acts disrespectfully, gives us that attitude, like everything, some children will struggle more with this than others with this attitude of just going right to the annoyance and aggravation rather than a more respectful tone. Now, all kids need reminders, but some kids will need stronger boundaries and a lot more coaching than others. I'm going to first give some general guidelines, then, I'm going to give some specific tips when it comes to setting up expectations around respect. So, first, you wanna have the conversation, and it sounds like you've done this, but I'm gonna just clean this up a little bit, make it a little cleaner for you, and hopefully this'll make sense why this is continuing to go on the way that it is. So you wanna have a conversation. This is kind of a final conversation about how this is gonna go from now on, because there are some approaches that you're gonna to wanna to change. So you're gonna to wanna to have a discussion about the behavior, what's expected, and what will change going forward. So she's not caught too off guard the next time it happens when you react differently. So the conversation would go something like this. We're gonna set the boundaries really strongly with her. we're gonna let her know how this is gonna go next time. We seem to be having some issues lately with respect. Do you know what respect is? Now you've talked with her about it right already and notice you've mentioned about talking about respect. She may not really quite be able to answer this herself yet but if she's able to answer it, you can. that's great. Give her some positive feedback for that and then if there's a little more to it, you know, help her out with that. If she's like, acts clueless, like she doesn't know what it is, then you can help her out with that. But this is something you're gonna wanna start to use a lot, you're gonna wanna start to talk a lot about this. And I'll talk more about that when I get to the specific tips, but for now, you wanna explain to her or remind her that respect is about how we treat one another. Showing respect means being kind to one another and thinking about each other's feelings. Now you can have a discussion about what respect looks like, give some examples. And if you have some positive examples of some things that she has done, especially like within the last 24 hours, definitely use those. If she shared with her sister earlier that day, if she was kind to the dog, if she listened the first time you asked her to do something, any example you have, you wanna use it. Pick out a couple of them. Then explain how sometimes her behavior is disrespectful, like when she demands things in an angry tone. Explain how you need her to work on this and that you will help her learn to make more respectful choices. Now, I know this is a little bit of a struggle with her. Sometimes she says she doesn't want to talk about it. So you may need to find a way to phrase it to keep her mind more open to listening to this. So what this means is that when she uses that tone, you will no longer be engaging with her when she acts this way. This means you will give her one reminder and that's it. You can let her know that even if she has a meltdown, you you will be letting her work it out on her own and won't be able to discuss it with her any further until she's able to be respectful. So when we go back to the sort of loop that you've got running, when she makes a demand, you can say, I will gladly help you if you ask me in a kind way. Or if you just wanna set that boundary and be like, I know you're fully capable of turning on the light, so when you're ready, you'll do it yourself. That's literally the last word about it you're just, you're done. You're going to walk away. That's it. She may scream. She may yell. She may lay on the floor. She may tantrum. She may come after you crying, screaming, pulling on you. You are going to ignore this to the best of your abilities. You got to try to keep your cool as much as you can because she will ratchet this up. She's trying to get attention for this behavior. So this is an attention seeking behavior or it's a power seeking. It's one of these two or both. So you're gonna need to take that power back. And we're gonna talk about some ways to kind of circumvent this behavior also in those tips below. But you wanna, you don't wanna keep engaging and engaging and engaging because when you do that, it actually is going to increase the behavior because she's, she's getting attention for making a big deal out of it. So every time you respond to her, you're actually increasing the chance of the behavior continuing or for coming back the next time. So that's where, you know, when you say you try your best to ignore her, what you want to try to remember to remind yourself of is that you're teaching her some opportunities to learn better behavior for the next time so you don't have to keep going through this pattern. So this is where you just have to really kind of dig in and be at least as persistent as she's being in trying to get you to respond and you're not responding, right? So we're going to just... And this part, you know, it's funny. This stuff was easy for me because I am such a persistent person. So if you're a parent who is less persistent and you've got a super persistent child, this can be difficult for a lot of parents who have just like these super persistent kids and then they, their temperament is just much less persistent. So you have to really try to push yourself on this to be more persistent and just say, I'm not going to answer. I'm teaching her a skill. I'm teaching her how to be respectful. I'm teaching her how to come to me in a different way the next time I'm teaching her that she can't keep talking to us in this way or demanding and then get attention for that. So you're going to have to just try to keep that in mind. And I know that's not easy for everyone. Basically, what you're doing is you're just setting this boundary really strongly with this. When it turns into a power struggle, like I said, it just ends up giving attention to behavior, makes it more prevalent. So here's also another reminder that this can sometimes be difficult for a lot of people to Understand or to kind of get a grasp of. But we want to remember that we don't have control over other people's reactions. So we can only control our own reactions. So what we need to do in this situation is we want to step away from the struggle. We want to step out of it. You want to let your children have their feelings. Let them work through it. You are not responsible for her reaction. You're not responsible for her feelings. She is. So she is going to have to learn to work through these feelings, to deal with these feelings in positive way and the only way she's gonna get to do it is to just get that practice I know it sucks I know it's really hard sometimes to listen to it to watch it but she will get better at it I promise she will get better at it with and the more practice she gets at it and just learns like okay I'm not getting the reaction I wanted it will go away a lot faster so again you just want to remind yourself this is your opportunity to teach her better behavior and after that one explanation you don't owe it to her to keep explaining yourself then remind yourself also that this is her opportunity to learn how, to, how you expect to be treated. You're gonna stay the course. It will get better, she will learn. So next, I'm going to get to some exact tips on teaching respect day to day that will also help minimize and fix disrespectful behavior in our kids, as well as some other tips for working on the more positive behaviors, right after a word from our sponsor. Pure Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA 14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Pure air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out PuroAir at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. PuroAir is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. That's homethreads.com slash parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads, love where you live. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to get into the tips for improving respect and of course, by association, decreasing the disrespectful behaviors in young children. These are just six of the many tips on teaching respect. This will definitely get a lot of you parents started teaching this really important value that we all have. Number one, like I already mentioned, but this is a big one. You want to continue to define what respect is and speak about it often throughout the day, how it's an attitude. It's about how we talk to and treat each other in nice and caring ways. You want to be sure to give examples, such as doing what's asked the first time, speaking to others in respectful ways. You want to give examples of disrespect versus respect, so for example, disrespectful talk versus respectful. Give, give that to me now versus may I have the pen please? So you can just talk about this during quiet times throughout the day, what that means, what that sounds like. Now she may come to you and feel like you're being disrespectful when you ignore her, but actually you're not. You're actually being respectful to her because you're giving her that opportunity to learn a skill that she doesn't have yet. She may not see it that way. She may feel like you're being mean, but just like you've been explaining to her, But when someone is disrespectful to you, it's respectful to yourself to let that person work through it until they can come back and be more respectful in the way that they interact with you. Now, when my kids are between the ages of four and six, maybe seven, I remember using the word respect a lot in our house daily, ongoing, many, many, many times away in a broad variety of scenarios. I would say things like, when your sister says stop, you need to stop. You need to respect her boundaries. I would say, are you speaking to me respectfully or disrespectfully right now? Like if they'd say something to me in kind of a snotty tone, I would remind them. Now, this is after they've gotten that skill down better and they react better. Then it was just a reminder at that point of when they come out with a tone that's disrespectful and they've done the work, they know how to fix it, that's when you'll use that. Are you speaking to me respectfully or disrespectfully right now? It's just a gentle reminder. Um, Also things like, please be respectful. Talk to me in a nicer tone. That's a reminder. Please respect his things. Be gentle with them. He worked hard to build that. You want to constantly talk about respect. I would constantly talk about respect when I saw it or when it was missing. I would talk over time and in general ways about what respect is and what was disrespectful. So number two, give positive feedback when your child acts respectfully. This really helps them understand what respect is and when they're engaging respectfully. So you cleaned up the first time I asked, that was very respectful. You used a very nice tone to ask for that toy, that was very respectful. Thank you for sharing the bucket with your sister, that was very respectful. This lets them know what respect is, what it looks like, and that also that it gets attention, that being respectful will get attention rather than being disrespectful, which is really what your four-year-old is looking for. She's looking for that attention, so she's going to get it when she's respectful. When she's not, she's not going to get it. So you already mentioned that you do this. This is great. I'm going to Bring this up for all the other parents out there wanting to make respect a big expectation in their home and that's modeling modeling being respectful model how you treat and talk about and to other people how we talk to others even when we're angry so we can be angry but still be respectful we want to model being as respectful as possible throughout the day again nobody's perfect right we already talked about that we're going to make mistakes we're not always going to be perfectly respectful but we're going to do our best Listening to what your kids have to say and then responding respectfully, right? Giving them that respect to kind of air their grievances. That's great. That's respectful also. It doesn't mean we're always letting them have their way or we're going to give in just because they share their feelings, but we're going to be respectful and listen to their feelings. That's where the respect part is. It just means we listen to what they have to say, their concerns and their feelings, and that we take them under consideration. Then however we decide, we explain our reasoning. I understand that you don't feel tired, but when I let you stay up past 8.30, we always have a struggle in the morning. So bedtime will remain at 8.30 for the time being. And this might be something for a little bit of an older child, right? But I agree that you do seem to be getting up easily and getting ready on your own every day. All right, let's try 8.45 for a while and see how that goes. If you're having trouble waking up in the morning, then we'll have to move it back to 8.30. How does that sound? So it's kind of taking into consideration what they're asking for, what kind of independence that they're asking for, and then making a decision accordingly. Number four, point out respect in others and use it as a teaching tool. So when you see other people being respectful, point it out, whether it's someone holding the door, letting someone go in front of them in line who only has a few items at the store, someone giving up a seat. Now, I know these aren't things that are happening a lot right now, but if when you see any type of respectful behavior out in public or it, when you're respectful with your spouse or your spouse is respectful to you, point that out how you do that and take care of each other. The same can go for the disrespectful treatment when you see it. When someone is yelling at a store clerk or cuts in line, discuss it and what different choices the person could have made. Number five, you want to recognize your child when they show respect, engage in respectful behavior with their feelings. So we talked about when they're engaging in respect, but especially when they share their feelings it respectfully. Thank you for sharing your frustration so calmly. That was very respectful. And then number six is also just making sure that your preschooler or toddler is getting attention for the positive behaviors, so that they aren't engaging in negative ones for that reason, to get attention. So spending some time one-on-one, giving them that positive attention when they do things well, will really help turn that behavior around so that they don't have a need to engage disrespectfully. So I just want to take a moment too to speak to that she hates when we ask her to do things. Because there are some kids who really just don't like to be told what to do. My daughter is very much the same. She really does not like to be told what to do. And she'll dig in and push back sometimes when we're telling her what to do. So what you can try to work on with that is giving her more responsibility. What I mean by that is explaining to her. I know you hate when we ask you to do things. So if you want to take on more responsibility, I'm definitely gonna let you do that, but if you don't do it on your own, then I'm gonna have to ask you to do it. So if she doesn't want you telling her to take off her socks for bath, just say that you're gonna let her get herself ready for her bath, right? So you're gonna make it a positive. You're gonna make it, she's a big girl, she can totally get herself ready for her bath, and let her show you how she can do that, and just say, if you can show me that you know how to get ready for your bath all on your own, I will not ask you what to do. Or, I mean, I will not tell you what to do. So work on those scenarios, letting her take on more responsibility for just getting ready in the morning, for getting ready for her bath, for fully taking care of herself in the bathroom, and having her show you, talk about her being more responsible and being more independent and letting her take that on. And when I do that with two of my kids have that, they really just want to be treated more... Um, They want to be treated more maturely. So as long as they show me that they can handle the responsibility, I absolutely let them have it. And when we have those talks, when we did when they were younger and even now with more advanced things, they're more than happy to take it on now and just and take ownership of that. So that may help you as well. Okay, so there's a lot more little tips and things because everybody's different. Every child is different. Every dynamic is different. So there's a lot more that can go into this. But if you want more information, there's a lot of classes that overlap here. The first one is Intro to Discipline. I talk about attention to behavior brings more of that behavior. So it's a bit of an art and a science. So I talk about the science behind it and and the art is the difference in your child and also in maybe their mood at that moment and just kind of knowing what works with them and testing it and what doesn't. And to know when to stop engaging and ignore a behavior in order to get it to go away. So I get into the science of how that works, why that works. Gives a really good foundation on this. Also the class honesty and respect covers these two topics in depth, both honesty and respect, goes some more into respect and things that you can do both in quiet times and working on that, Um, gives several more tips and guidelines for building respect as a value in your home. Also misbehaviors and solutions because what's really happening is uncovers the real meaning behind a behavior, what that likely is and how to circumvent it so they no longer need to act out in a negative way. So you're getting rid of that need, and so then they will act out in more positive ways. Also, the class on tantrums goes into the two types of tantrums, how to deal with those, and why you, want it, and why you deal with them in certain ways, and gives a couple of options. So if you're really dealing with those big meltdowns and they're driving you crazy, that is a great class. to. So those are all on the website at yourvillageonline.com. So this took a little longer than I expected, but I do want to talk about our real parenting struggle with this really long stay-at-home order going on right now. Because as I've mentioned, I've gotten several emails asking about ways parents can help their kids during this time. Parents are suffering. Kids are suffering. We're all worn out. Parents of toddlers and preschoolers especially have a difficult job right now, I think, It's hard being cooped up with young kids under normal circumstances, but now we're going on six-plus months with little social interaction for both parents and kids, and it's tough. Now, I don't know that I have any earth-shattering words of wisdom, but hopefully some of this will help some of you, maybe many of you, with just some of these tips, so I'm going to share what I've got here. So all the questions were basically related around parents' frustrations with their children's lack of ability to play independently, because understandably, these parents are feeling very much in need of some alone time, and they're wearing thin, with being needed all day long and bugged to entertain and play with their young kids almost every waking moment. So this gets tiring under the best of circumstances when they do have a few days of preschool or a few playdates during the week or relatives that will take the burden off for a few hours a couple times a week. But for many parents, these opportunities have all dried up. So first, I'm going to cover some expectations for independent play. And the unfortunate part of it is, except in rare cases, parents of kids under four just aren't, in most cases, going to be able to get kids to play independently very much at all. So some kids will do this. It is rare to see two or three-year-olds who can keep themselves engaged for 15 or 20 minutes at a time. So if you have one of those kids, consider yourself really lucky. I was actually one of those kids, but I was also that persistent kid who always wanted my way. So, you know, every kid has their pluses and minuses. Now, none of my kids were those kids that could keep themselves entertained. By four, though, you can help your preschooler work up to 15 to 20 minutes of independent play. So here are some tips for working on that. You wanna keep the toys fresh. Now of course you can do this with your younger kids too and just see what you can get out of them, but just don't expect a lot until about the age of four. Don't expect that to really expand much until they hit around four. You wanna to keep toys fresh. So this means you wanna rotate the toys out every two weeks to at most a month, but two to three weeks is a pretty good time span to keep the toys out and then rotate them. You wanna keep two to three of the bigger toys or sets of toys available at any one time. So the Duplo and the trains, or the trains and the animal figurines, or the magnetiles and the cars. You can switch out which two to three are out at any one time, because they will combine these in different ways for completely different play than they did with combining it with something else. So Duplo and trains and Duplo and animal figurines will be a completely different set of toys. Now the reason you keep it to two to three options is that too many options is overwhelming, And they don't tend to go nearly as deep in the play. When they have less toys, it's less overwhelming. They can really get into that toy and really use it deeply. You want to try to keep the toys educational. What this means is that they are passive toys. They don't have batteries and beeps and buzzes or make noises or do anything for the child, right? The child needs to make the toys do the stuff. So just as a really simple example, a toy cow that moves takes away the opportunity for the child to make the cow moo. So it may seem small, but it's a good illustration. So you want your kids to use their imagination to create the scenario and act it out. What if they want the cow to talk? What if they want the cow and the horse to talk? If the cow moos and the horse neighs, they may not do that. So this way, it just opens up that opportunity for imagination a lot more. If you want to know more about ways to keep kids engaged in play with toy ideas for each age, the class Educational Toys covers this topic, and it goes all the way through teens, actually. Secondly, you want to try to get out however, whenever, wherever you can in ways that you feel safe just to get the stimulation both for yourself and your children. Parks, if they're open, and if you're not feeling super safe, if maybe you go earlier in the day, Walks, hikes, letting your child ride like their bike if they're a toddler or a preschooler who has a little bike or a tricycle or a balance bike. Swimming if it's available and safe in your area. We're pretty locked down here in Southern California still. I can't go to the hairdresser, all the indoor gyms are closed, but we do have several pool options a city pool, our HOA pool, and our gym pool but we have to reserve a lane for our family, but our pools are also all outside. So these are good options if you have something similar. Also, if you're able to get out for a little trip, we actually took a short trip to Yosemite. National parks are limiting the number of entrants, so you have to reserve a pass, but it also made me feel a lot safer that just wasn't busy, which was amazing to see a national park when it wasn't packed with people. We rented a cabin on Airbnb so we could be completely isolated, And we got a change of scenery. We found a great secluded area on the river to play one day. So our family just had this little area with our dogs through the balls, played in the water. The kids got creative. It was really, really beautiful butterflies. There were dragonflies out there. It was great. We did some kid-friendly hikes the other three days we were there. So getting creative and getting out with your family can really help get through this time. And my last tip, which I talked about way in the beginning in a way, but I'm going to reiterate it here, is what's really helped me is to just appreciate the things that have opened up in our neighborhood. So that one I talked about appreciation for just the positive things you have, but now I'm appreciating when things open up for us. So right now we're able to swim, we're able to dine outdoors at restaurants, the beaches are open, hiking trails are open because at one point all of these were closed. Everything was closed. So I'm just happy with the each of these things that we get to do right now. I think in another month, some more things will start to open for us. We've brought our numbers way down in LA County. So if we can keep it up for another couple of weeks, I'm sure we'll see some more things open. I think our kids may even get to go back to school in the classroom half time. This may be for the rest of the year, just half time, but two days a week. Half the kids will go. The other two days a week, the other half of the classrooms will go. So I'm just focusing on being grateful for each of these as they come about. And that definitely also helps keep me from going too crazy. So I hope these were helpful for everyone. Please continue to stay safe and healthy. And as always, if you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.